Welcome to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast, where we go inside what makes a coach a coach. The Guardians of the Game podcast is a production of the National Association of Basketball Coaches and Learfield IMG College, brought to you by Wilson Sporting Goods. And now, here's your host, Dave Odom. Welcome back to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast. Today's guest is the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Mark Pope. Mark, welcome to the broadcast. We're glad to have you and your team's off to a really good start at BYU, and we want to talk about that. But we also want to talk about uh, Mark Pope growing up. And I was looking at your resume here in the last day or so, and, um, you know, you grew up at Newport High School uh, in Bellevue, Washington. I know that's just across the sound uh, from uh, the University of Washington. And tell me about growing up in that, that area. Well, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I was really lucky to be able to live there in a, in a great time in a, the kind of history of Seattle. So uh, I was born in Nebraska and then, and then uh, spent my childhood in New York and then uh, went to high school in, in Seattle. And it's a great town and uh, was able to, to play under a great high school coach, Rich Belcher, who, uh, you know, is, is a Hall of Fame coach in that state and, and uh, had, a, had a wonderful childhood. Tell, tell me about the basketball in that um, particular neck of the woods. I mean, you had, um, you've had some really outstanding players to come out of there. I know Quinn Snyder came out of that area. Um, tell us about the importance of basketball in that um, sound area. Well, well, it's interesting because, you know, the University of Washington had a pretty good history with Marv, Marv Harshman and his great runs. Uh, but basketball, uh, especially prep basketball in, in Washington, was was pretty quiet on the national scene. Uh, we didn't have a lot of traction until Quinn Snyder. And Quinn, I think, was was uh, five years ahead of me. And he came out and, uh, you know, obviously had an unbelievable career at, at, at Great Mercer Island High School under Ed Peppel and uh, ended up going to Duke and, and going to a, a, at least one Final Four there and and then there was a whole crew of us, uh, you know, four or five years behind him where, um, you know, where Seattle basketball can't kind of jump back on the scene. And then it's been humming ever since. Um, and so it was a great time to be a high school basketball player is, 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 is our prep programs were growing. Lynn Nance was the uh, head coach at the University of Washington back in those days. And he recruited you. And I'm sure you got recruited by – uh, some other schools as well, but you decided to stay home. Yeah, I love Coach Nance. Uh, you know, Coach Nance is, is uh, has been a, a huge player in, in my growth as a person and and as a and certainly as a player. He's got a unique background. He was a he was an FBI agent uh, on the narcotics unit, actually. Um, but you know, he played at, at the University of Washington. Was a great player and. And then uh, went on to work in the FBI, FBI and came back to coaching. Actually had a great run at St. Mary's, had a top 20 team at St. Mary's, and then took the job at Washington. And, um, and we couldn't get it done there. Uh, we couldn't win enough. So my sophomore year, coach got fired. It was, it was actually the, the hardest experience of my basketball life, just not being able to win for him. Uh, but, I, you know, we still keep in close touch, and I love him. He was a huge influence on my life. Well, you, uh, uh, you you did do the best you could do. I, I noticed uh, in reading your bio that uh, 
you were freshman of the year in 1992-93, uh, uh, 8.1 rebounds a game, and it looked like things were going pretty good except for the fact that he got fired. And, and um, I, I don't know, was that the uh, kind of the springboard to you transferring to Kentucky? Yeah, it was it was really hard, you know. Uh, and when Coach got fired, I just it was just hard for me to stay at that point. I just felt like you know he was the reason that I went there, and and uh, we had become so close. And it was a it was a you know it always is it always is when your coach gets fired or leaves. It's always a tough tough situation. So when he left, it just didn't feel right to stay. And and uh, so I transferred to Kentucky, and it was a it was a real blessing also. All right, and you get to the University of Kentucky. Uh, Rick Patino is at uh, kind of the uh, summit of his career there at uh, Kentucky. Um, you actually end up going on and, and winning the national championship. Um, uh, what was it, 1996? I believe you won in '90 uh, the championship. And I hate to I hate to say this; it just kind of burns me a little bit. But I think you beat my team. And uh, in Minnesota, didn't yeah. you? That year we uh, we had lost my point guard a little bit earlier, and I really yeah. to this day think we would have won the game if we'd have had. But um, uh, you, you won the national championship. You went on to uh, play in New Jersey and, and uh, just had a wonderful experience there with Coach Patino. Yeah, well, listen, you know, I love Coach. Uh, Coach was generous enough to come out here last year and spend a couple of days with us and uh, you know, it was so unbelievable to play for him. Now, I say that I love him now. I, did, I, I didn't really spend one single day at Kentucky loving him. He was just so tough on us. I mean, he was so relentlessly tough on us. But as you, as we went through our careers, you know, you you started to see that the pain that we had to go through every single day was was actually was actually changing us and turning us into something. He he's such a great coach. Um, and I remember, coach. I really really remember. Uh, that that uh, game versus you guys to to go to the elite eight or to, to go to the final four, right? Right. And um, and so Rusty Larue is one of my dear dear friends. We got the coach together for a year at Wake Forest, and uh, we've known each other for a long time. And he was a uh, a great player for you. Was a two guard for you. And uh, when your point guard went down, you know we pressed every single possession of every single game, ninety four feet. I'll never forget Rusty getting inbounds pass and trying to back, you know, back guys down from 94 feet. He was going to back his way all the way down the floor. It was so <laughs> fantastic. Well, he did what he could do. I, I do think we had as good a point guard as it was in the country in Tony Rutland. No doubt. And, uh, no doubt. And, and come on, you had one of the greatest players in the history of basketball in this Tim Duncan. Yeah. I mean, you had an unbelievable crew. It was such a great team. Yeah, we it was, uh, and it was an epic game. And of course, it, uh, I think the game before we had just beaten Louisville uh, with yeah. Denny Crum, and uh, that I think he felt like that was a bit of an upset because we didn't have our our guard, but we beat him. And I, I don't know, I don't remember who you played uh, in that other game, but uh, we ended up. We, played, we actually played Utah. We we actually played Rick Majerus Utah team, which was a really good team. How about uh, that? So it, that was a good. That was a that was a terrific regional it was a really good group unbelievable um okay let's uh let's kind of inch forward here a little bit now um when did you let's see you you get drafted by the indiana pacers in the second round and um i don't know you had uh, you popped around 
to two or three different uh, teams, the Pacers, uh, back to the lacrosse Bobcats. You went over in Turkey and, and, and uh, played a year or two at one of the better teams over there. You had the Bucks, the Knicks, the Nuggets. Now, when did, in your mind, the idea that you might want to coach kind of spawn itself, seed itself? Uh, well, I, I well, that's a great question. Um, I, I never as a player did I think I would coach. Um, I, I, you know, I, I never imagined coaching when I was a player. In fact, when I finished playing, I, I, uh, you know, I went straight to medical school and, and was, um, was excited about going down that path. And probably a year into my, my first year in medical school, I was like, man, I don't know. I miss this game a lot. I'm not sure. And we stayed with it until the, the first, to so the beginning of my fourth year of medical school and, uh, and had been talking, you know, I'd been thinking about it. It's like, ah, man, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And, and so we started thinking about coaching kind of during that time. And I had some, uh, Mark Fox, one of my dear, dear friends was a graduate assistant when I was a freshman at university of Washington. And, uh, he obviously went on to, he's in the middle of a great career right now. We, we became good friends at Washington. We had talked ever since. And, uh, you know, right before I was starting my fourth year of medical school, uh, Foxy got the Georgia job and he called me and we had talked about coaching for a long time. He's like, Hey man, if you're coming, this is the time you have to come. And so, uh, my wife and I, Leanne, we, we, we struggled with the decision for about three weeks. And then finally walked into, the, you know, as a Columbia Medical School, it's one of the top medical schools in the world. I walked into Dean Melman at the time, and I told her, I was like, I'm going to leave. I'm, I'm actually going to coach at the University of Georgia. And she was so disgusted with me. She was like, have you lost your mind? And uh, But jumped in the car, drove to Georgia to um, work uh, an elite camp that Coach had going on. It was the first time, and I – it was such a torturous decision, but the, the first moment I walked on the court uh, uh, for coach, I just was like, I was born to do this. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life, I, and, and I've loved it every day ever since. Now you, you're, you're telling me and everybody else is listening, you go through almost four years of medical school, you walk out on it, you go into a gymnasium down in Athens, Georgia, and it's almost like a revelation. I, I, you know, it's something I've meant to, be, to do, I've been meant to do, I was born to do this, and I'm free. I'm <laughs> is there any thought at all about going back to that at any time, the medical? No, no, there's not, Coach. Hey, I never told you I was smart. <laughs> I just, I just, I just know what I love. You know, I, I, um, uh, I, I, I just have been really blessed. Like this game is just like all of us, right? We've been so blessed by this game, and and now as a coach, the chance I have to, to like work and work with and and shepherd these young men as they try and weave their way through this incredibly pressure-filled, complicated process of chasing their dreams, right, and try to become become what they want to become it just is uh it is it's it's uh it's just completely intoxicating to me and uh, it's unbelievably challenging like i feel like it stretched me in every conceivable way and and i and clearly uh, i have so much to learn but man i love the process well uh, you said you had great respect and a great uh 
contact with Mark Fox. You, you, you go to Georgia in, in 2009, but you only stay one year. And you go, you go to Wake Forest uh, with uh, Jeff Pozdelic, who was the coach at that time. And, um, you, you know, uh, why, why, why the change from Georgia to Wake Forest? Well, so I learned something actually in my professional career as a player uh, that I could only trick people for about 12 to 18 months. I could only trick them for that long. And then, and then coaches realized this dude is actually a terrible player. So, so in my NBA career, literally that was the case. Like I could make it through the first year and they'd be like, nah, I think this guy actually might be able to do something. Six months, halfway through the second season, they were like, we are 100% sure this guy is not a player. So I'd have to bounce to another team. And uh, so I, had, I got one year with Coach Fox. I was there as the assistant. Actually, my formal title was the basketball operations coordinator. I was not an assistant coach. I was a staff guy. And so I was the basketball operations coordinator. I was, you know, doing laundry late at night. Couldn't be on the court uh, working uh, our team out. Um, and just, just it was actually such a gift to do all the grunt work um, of, of basketball coaching and none of the stuff that I really dreamed about doing, right? And learn the game from the ground up. And Coach Fox told me that. He's like, Hamlin, bring you here, and you're going to learn all the little details that everybody has to do, uh, that all the things that, that, that you have to do. Someday you're going to ask people in your program to do for you. you got to learn how to do it better than anybody else. So he, he, he put me in the grinder. And then um, a year later, I got an opportunity to be an assistant coach at Wake Forest. And so it was, it was an unbelievable opportunity and a great jump for me. And, it, of course, I played for Coach Bizdelic, uh with the Denver Nuggets, and so we had a great relationship. So I was, I was really excited to, 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 to move on. And Fox, he was excited to get me out of there. He was done with me. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, George is in the SEC. Uh, Wake Forest is in the ACC. Other than the fact that in at Georgia you were not able to be on the floor or help recruit, and at Wake Forest both of those were realities. What what were the differences in the two leagues, if any? Oh, it's a great question. Uh, I, I think you know, obviously, I played in the SEC, so I knew that league really, really well. Um, the uh, I mean, I, that's a great question, Coach. Um, I don't know if, if, if this is appropriate, maybe it's not right. I feel like, um, the SEC is, uh, uh, everything I'm going to say, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'll tell you this. There are two great leagues. I mean, just extraordinary leagues. Um, uh, when I was playing in the SEC, we had five and, and part of the season, six teams ranked in the top 25. That's when I was playing there. Um, uh, when I was coaching there for the one year with Foxy, the league wasn't that deep. Uh, the ACC had become the deeper league. Um, but there's, there's great basketball in both leagues, no doubt, and great coaches in both leagues. There really are. And, um, okay, in 2011, uh, you, had, uh, you had contact with uh, BYU. Um, yep. BYU, before we get into you going there as an assistant, um, I was reading your bio. Um, you're a member of uh, uh, the Mormon Church, uh, Church of uh, Latter-day Saints. 
Tell us about that. Now, are you a lifetime member of that church or are you a con convert? What, what, how, how important is that where you are at, th at this moment in your life? Well, I, I am a lifetime member. And um, I think for most of us, I don't know, I don't know if I can speak for most of us, most people in the world, but, um, you know, I think there's been times, there were times when my faith uh, uh, probably wasn't at the forefront of my life. And, and certainly for the last, uh, you know, 20 or 25 years, it's been, it's been um, uh, probably the keystone of, of everything that I am, right? It's, it's just my foundational faith. And, um, and so it's really important to me and my family, and, and uh, it's, a, it's certainly a guiding light for us. Okay. Uh, 2011, you get the phone call from uh, Dave Rose. Uh, who preceded you as the head coach there and is um, well-respected throughout uh, all the basketball circles uh, in uh, uh, collegiately here in the United States. Um, he asked you to come and, and, and be an assistant for him, and uh, you were there, what, four years? Is that right? Yeah, I was there for four years with Coach, and, and, uh, and, and you know, watching, watching Coach work from a distance, I would always look out at his teams and be like, how is he winning with those guys? Like, how is that even conceivable? And he's certainly one of the great coaches in college basketball and, and had a, an epic run here at BYU, did things that, by all accounts, you know, should not be able to be done. And so I was excited to, um, you know, we've been in the East for a long time. I was excited to kind of come West and, and, um, and, and have a chance to recruit more in the West and, and kind of branch out in the West. And certainly really, really excited to, to learn from Coach Rose, who, like I said, is I think one of the great coaches and great human beings in the business. And, and also uh, was really excited to, to um, see if there could be some merger between, uh, some like tangible merger between this basketball life that had been so dominant a force in everything that I did for a long time and, and also, uh, my faith. And so, uh, I was, I was really excited to kind of experience that unique opportunity. Of course, my time, uh, working for him was, was so awesome. I learned so much and, and, uh, and it was, a, it was a great four years. Tell me, um, some of the, uh, logistical things that you have to work through when you're recruiting for BYU. Um, you don't have to go into too much detail, but I mean, I think I think that the, our listeners, some of them are not aware. Uh, you know, you, you may get a kid for two years and then he leaves and uh, goes on, uh, you know, a Mormon sabbatical, and you may get him back. You may not. Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's really interesting. So um, the the missions, uh, you know, so um, uh, you know. Members of the, of the of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, the Mormon Church, um, uh, especially young men, are um, uh, seriously. You know, I think most young men seriously consider serving a mission for the church, which is a two-year mission. They can go anywhere in the world. Uh, they're assigned to go. They pay their own way. Uh, they they and completely immerse themselves in serving that community. Uh, so there's. You know, for basketball players, they go and there's no hoops for two years. There's no weightlifting or working out or, you know, they have a half an hour a day just to kind of keep themselves fit. But it's, a, you know, it's kind of a 6 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. fully, fully immersed uh, calling in, 
in, in going to serve God and serve people. And so it's a, it's an unbelievable experience for these guys um, to go do that. Uh, but it does make rosters uh, sometimes really complicated, not just because you lose guys. You know, sometimes you recruit. The, for example, I, I, I uh, got a commitment from a young man uh, several months ago who I actually won't see on my campus for four years. Um, and, and so, you know, that part can be complicated. And, and, you know, I know coach Rose, uh, when I was here with him, uh, had a young man who, um, just after his sophomore season decided that he was going to leave for two years. So there's, it's just a really interesting dynamic. And then, and then when these these young men go, uh, kind of immerse their life in something that's probably way more important than basketball, um, you, you never know exactly what you're getting when they come back. Sometimes uh, kids come back um, with a different perspective on life where they just feel like, hey, you know, maybe basketball is not the most important thing to me in my life right now and then like to do something else. And sometimes guys come back and, feel like you know it's their calling in life to come pursue this game and serve through this game and so uh it, it's a, it's an extraordinary um opportunity that a lot of these young men take and i think it is life-changing and i think uh it's a beautiful thing but in some in some cases it can make coaching and putting together a roster and maintaining a roster complicated okay so you had four really good years under coach rose there at uh, byu and uh, you had an opportunity to be a head coach for the first time at Utah Valley, uh, a school, you know, obviously right in Utah, as is uh, Provo, Utah. And uh, you had a chance to go over there, and I'm sure there was a great Mormon influence over there as well. Four years at Utah Valley. What was that like? It was so awesome. I mean, Coach, I don't, I, I'm, I'm guessing that every coach has a – I don't know. I'm guessing a lot of coaches have a similar experience, but – um, I, I will cherish those four years at Utah Valley till the day I die because it was just um, it's your first chance to be a head coach and run a program and you have such incredibly limited resources but such huge dreams and and uh, you're you're scraping by just to make things work and uh, and we had unbelievable success there and uh, it was it was just um, you know my favorite so far my favorite season this is my fifth year season my favorite season was our first year when I had you know, five scholarship guys and, and five walk-ons and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, we just, we just, we stunk. Right. But we, we found ways to win games and guys played so hard and, you know, we're piecing everything together. It was such a beautiful experience. Um, you, you know, you've, you, as we talked about, uh, you coached under, uh, Dave Rose for a number of years there. What were some of the more important lessons that you learned as an assistant under him? Well, you know, uh, I always talk about Coach Patino and how he, he, uh, he, the thing that I learned from him, and I learned so much from him, but just this idea of just being a relentless, just every moment of every day, you keep coming at it, right? And, and, and it doesn't matter when things go wrong because if things go wrong, that means it's not the end of the story. You just got to keep pushing through and pushing through and pushing through. And, and with that background, a really, really, uh, you know, I think, I think something I probably uh, learned from coach Rose among the many things I learned from him was just this idea of patience, right? Which those two things might seem like they have a, a tough time coexisting, but I think when you stir it right, 
um, the, the the combination is beautiful. But coach was coach was incredibly patient. He was incredibly trusting in his staff. Uh, you know, he 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 made everybody on the staff and in the program feel like they were so invested that that we were going to be sex, successful or fail based on their work. And so that brings in an unbelievable amount of investment uh, from from your program. Uh, I think coach obviously operated with such tremendous integrity and in everything that he did. And, you know, one of the things that he did so well that I think is hard to match is, uh, you know, coach Rose was universally uh, beloved by everybody. And in a, in an, in an, uh, in an environment, in an arena that is so hyper competitive um, to be able to have the career that he did and still be kind of universally uh, well-respected and loved is extraordinary. So, I mean, I could go on for hours about things co-stop. Well, uh, you know, you had two really opposites in Coach Patino and, and Coach Rosen, but they both had a way of getting the job done. So it just tells you that there's more than one way to do things as you move along. So that's really good. Listen, uh, the, the West Coast Conference, the one that BYU is in, uh, it could be the most underrated college basketball league in the country. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got the likes of Gonzaga and St. Mary's and Santa Clara's coming along now. And I mean, you know, BYU obviously is right in the mix for the championship every year. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, West Coast basketball, uh, the West Coast conference basketball as it is today and what you have to do to try to get your team competing with uh, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and others? Well, listen, I, you know what's interesting is, is everybody in the country knows Gonzaga and everybody knows St. Mary's and everybody knows BYU, right? Um, uh, they know they're great, but not so many people really know the West Coast Conference, which is, which is interesting. Uh, you know, I think the last, I don't know what the last five or six years, but, we, you know, they, our conference has been rated between the sixth, uh, 7th, 8th, 9th, best conference in America, which I think is the one conference that's a top-rated conference that people don't really identify with. Um, I think that the most interesting thing in this conference is think about the coaches. It's the most daunting thing for me. So I went to, you know, I took the job, and three weeks later I was at the West Coast Conference head coaches meeting. And so you're sitting there with Mark Few and Randy Bennett and Lorenzo Romar and Herb Sendek and, you know, you just go down the line uh, of the great coaches in this league. Uh, it is a coaches league. It's a basketball league. And, and uh, it, it is a tough, tough conference. Um, and so it's a, it's a great place to be. It's, 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 uh, I, I'm really, I feel really fortunate to have the opportunity to be in this league, uh, to compete against and learn from these coaches. It, it's, it's, it is. It's a, special, it's a special place, special league. Mark, as we kind of wind down uh, our time together here today, um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, when I was coaching basketball, I used to have, like, clinics on campus or I'd have basketball camps for kids on campus. And, you know, just about every time we had something like that, I'd have a young coach uh, that would come up to me and say, Coach, I just need five minutes of your time. I'd say, what do you need? He'd say, well, you know, I, I really want to be uh, – uh, college coach one day and I'd like to eventually be a head coach like you uh, someday and uh, I was just wondering maybe if you could 
give me some advice. And, you know, to everybody that would ask me that, there might be a different answer there because their situations might be different. But uh, and so I tried to, uh, you know, deal with each one individually. Um, you're you're younger uh, in the head coaching ranks, but but you, you've done it a, a big, <laughs> really different. I mean, you you know, medical school and then, you know, several stops in the pros. And, you know, what would you tell a young coach who was aspiring to be in the college ranks and then later a head coach at the college level? Um, well, I don't know if I have any great advice, but maybe I got a quick story I could tell. Uh, you know, I think I would tell him that uh, probably the, 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 the advice that I've heard over and over, if there's anything else you can do, you should probably go do it. And, and if, there's, if there's nothing else in your life that you can do that's going to bring you this much joy, then, then that means you're probably going to be really successful at coaching. Uh, you know, I, I think that, that, that coaching, you have got to fully immerse yourself in, in it. Um, it, it kind of has to be uh, the, the main force in your life for, for you to be successful. I really do believe that. And, um, you know, I, 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 one of my favorite stories is about Frank Vogel, who's currently the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. When I was at the University of Kentucky, uh, Frank Vogel was playing at a, as, as a player. Uh, Frank Vogel had just finished, I think, his second year playing at a small NAIA or junior college uh, somewhere in New Jersey. And he, he, just, he just was so passionate about basketball. He just, there was nothing else that could feed his soul the same way. And he, he finally came to the realization that he was not good enough. He was never going to be able to be a pro. And so the only way he could be in basketball was to, was to was to was to coach and so he he you know he coach patino had coached the knicks during his childhood and he was a huge fan of coach patino's and coach patino was now coaching college at at kentucky so frank got this idea in his mind that he was going to go and be a manager at kentucky and learn how to coach and go be a coach so he started calling bill kitely who was our equipment manager at university of kentucky and mr kitely kindly explained to him that you know, people were on a waiting list to be a manager at Kentucky since they were like six years old and there was no spot. And so Frank just, just kind of refused to take no for an answer. He jumped in his car, didn't really have a dime to his name, drove to Lexington, parked outside Memorial Coliseum and went in to see Bill Kiley. This is after months of getting those. And Mr. Kiley lost his mind. If you know Mr. Kiley, he's, you know, at the time he was really, really old and he was pretty grumpy, but the most beautiful human being in the world. Kicked him out of his office. Sent a note to Coach Patino. He's got this crazy kid who's driven all the way from New Jersey. Frank slept in his car outside Memorial Coliseum for three days. He wakes up the third morning to some guy pounding on his window at 6 o'clock in the morning. It's Coach Patino. And he, Frank tells the story. Coach Patino is banging on his window and throwing out expletive after expletive that he can't park there and he's got to get out of here and he better leave (laughs) Mr. Kitely alone and you can't do this at the University of Kentucky. And as soon as he finishes his tirade, he says, says, listen, kid, be in my office in five minutes. And so Frank, who's been sleeping in his car now for for, two nights and and two days, is the, the, the third morning, he kind of pulls himself together just, you know, just woke up to his hero, you know, kind of cussing him out through his car window. And uh, he walks to the office and and Coach Patino um, makes him a manager, starts a 
JV team for him to play on. Uh, he starts sneaking in with the great Jim O'Brien, who was an assistant then. You know, he, he asked Jim if he's like, can I just come in your office? Jim would watch film till late in the wee hours in the morning. He's like, can I just come in and watch you? I promise I won't say a word. Just watch you cut up film and see how you do it. So they develop a relationship. Four years later, Frank is an assistant video coordinator at, 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 uh, at with the Boston Celtics. And ten years later, he's the head coach in the Indiana Pacers, coaching the Eastern Conference Finals. And that story doesn't always happen, but but if you, I think if you want to do this job, you're competing against guys where this job is their whole life. And so if you want to do it, then you just kind of have to throw your whole life in there and be willing to kind of go with the ups and downs of it. And if you do, if that's how you're cut, it'll be the greatest ride you've ever had. I, I can just uh, add a little bit to that. That's, that, that's such a great story. But, uh, you know, uh, lately um, college basketball has just gone through uh, as, uh, as a gift from ESPN – um, Jimmy Valvano can't, uh, coaches versus cancer week. Um, and of course the great speech that Jimmy, uh, gives every year, nobody gets tired of hearing that, but the, the key part of that is, uh, don't give up, don't ever give up. And I think that can be applied to young coaches because, uh, you're not going to get the first job. Likely you're not going to get the first job that you, uh, think you're going to get, or if the job you get, uh, it, it may not turn out like you want it to get. You may get it, but it'd be different. So I, I think Jimmy Valvano, and that's much more serious. Uh, you know, coaches versus cancer, much more serious than one person's uh, life as a coach. But uh, I think it says so much about don't give up. Don't ever give up. So uh, I hate to give up now, but our time's gone. And so I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast. And to you, Mark Pope, you are a champion because you believe in what you're doing and you believe in your team. You believe in their players. You're trying to help them. And that makes you a champion. You're going to have many great years and great days and great games at uh, BYU as, as the leader there. So I want to thank you for taking their time to, uh, you know, to visit with not only me, but a countless number of listeners who care about college basketball and in the, in the country today. So good luck to your team. We'll be following you from afar. And to those that are listening, I want to say, uh, if you want to learn more about the NABC, you need only visit the NABC.com.